peace of our Lord be with you. chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. That verse from today's Gospel lesson may not make any mention of anything that sounds like the doctrine of the Trinity, but it is nonetheless a good and helpful word for us to hear on this Trinity Sunday, reminding us now, as it did Nicodemus then, that the mystery of God is as inexplicable and unmanageable as the wind and can never be captured in a creed or defined by a doctrine, not even one as big, beautiful, and beloved as the Trinity. Most of the best scholarship we have tells us that the word Trinity entered the vocabulary of the church sometime around the year 200 and then reached its full development as a Christian doctrine at two fourth century church councils. The Council of Nicaea in 325 A.D., and the Council of Constantinople in 381. The issue which prompted the Emperor Constantine to convene the Council of Nicaea was actually concerned with only two-thirds of the Trinity. The question being whether or not Jesus is co-equal to and co-eternal with God. Some of the bishops who gathered at the Council of Nicaea said, yes, Jesus is the same as God. While others said, no, Jesus is the Son of God, but not the same as God. Appeals to the Bible were not particularly helpful because in the New Testament there are around 80 verses which seem to say that Jesus is the same as God and there are about 120 verses which seem to say that Jesus is the Son of God but not the same as God. So. Everyone on both sides of the debate had plenty of Bible to back them up. These verses versus those verses. The Bible in a tie with itself. So in the end, they took a vote. 
And the side which said that Jesus is the same as God prevailed and then declared those who believed otherwise to be heretics. <laughs> Nearly 60 years later, in 381, another church council was convened, this time at Constantinople, where the Holy Spirit was also officially declared to be co-equal to and co-eternal with God, which is what the Council of Nicaea had declared about Jesus in 325. And with that, the Trinity, as we now know it, was more or less settled. A doctrine which, needless to say, has become enormously important for countless millions of Christians across the centuries and which has given us some of our most beautiful symbols, inspired art, and magnificent hymns, one of which will sing us back out there into the world in a few moments. But beautiful, wonderful, big and beloved though the doctrine of the Trinity is, long before Tertullian gave us the word Trinity, and long before the bishops at Nicaea and Constantinople hammered out the details, we already had the most beautiful picture we could ever hope for of the relationship between God Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Those familiar old words we read last Lord's Day from the Gospel of John where Jesus said, I came from the Father and now I'm going back to the Father. But don't be afraid. I will not leave you alone. In fact, it is better for you if I go away than if I stay. Because when I go away, I will send the Holy Spirit to you. And then the Holy Spirit will tell you more of what I have told you some of because the Spirit will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Trinity in work clothes. Jesus giving us the best look we've ever had at what really matters most to God and then the Holy Spirit picking up where Jesus left off. Telling us more of what Jesus told us some of. Jesus, the temporary revelation of God to us. The Holy Spirit, the permanent presence of God with us. That's the practical side of the Trinity. The Trinity in work clothes. A way of thinking about the Trinity which actually makes a difference in the world. For example, 
two or three days ago, I was sitting over there in the church offices working on this sermon about the Trinity. When it came time for me to stop, so that I could keep an appointment I had to go visit a person who is in prison. The Holy Spirit calling to mind something that Jesus, who was the ultimate embodiment of God in the world, once said about how if we fail to visit the prisoner, it is as though we have failed to visit Jesus. The Holy Spirit, one-third of the Trinity, calling to mind something Jesus, another third of the Trinity, revealed about God, the other third of the Trinity. And I know it happens that way all the time to you too. Now, we don't ever go around speaking of it in specifically Trinitarian terms, except on Trinity Sunday, obviously. But day after day, all through the day, the Holy Spirit reminds us of what Jesus, the ultimate revelation of God, would do if Jesus was here. And before we know it, we are up and out there in the world. In classrooms and conference rooms, lunch rooms and locker rooms, courtrooms and waiting rooms sitting down with and standing up for the same people Jesus would be sitting down with and standing up for if Jesus himself was in Jackson. Carrying casseroles or carrying signs. Making visits or mailing cards. Delivering meals or taking stands. Obeying those nudges and whispers of the Spirit. And living our lives as Jesus, the ultimate revelation of God, would be living His life if Jesus Himself was in Jackson. And when we do that, when we do obey those nudges and whispers of the Spirit and live our lives as Jesus would live His life if Jesus Himself was in Jackson, then, in a way, Jesus Himself is in Jackson. 
not just Jesus, but the whole Trinity. God, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost. The whole entire Trinity. The, the whole amazing team. All four of them. Counting you. Amen.